The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests. Hello and welcome to episode six of Two Millennials One Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Gable. And I'm Abby Richmond. And today we're going to talk about religion. Before we get started, as always, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. Uh, we're available on every major podcasting app, and we're looking for some subscriptions and some likes and getting this beautiful podcast out on the airwaves. We want to get famous. Yes, we do. I want to be famous. <laughs> so on today's episode, as stated, we're talking about religion. We're really hitting these controversial topics the last couple of weeks because that's what the people like. I hear the best compliments about the conversations that break people apart. Because that's what get people talking. 100%. So, I mean, let's just dive in. Can you give me your religious background or where you stand currently religion-wise? Okay, so I was raised in a Methodist household, which I'm still Methodist. Um, my parents took me to church every Sunday, and I went to things like K-Life and small group and youth group and Club 316 at my church. And so I was a pretty involved kid. And then around late middle school, I fell out of it because I was struggling with some like depression issues. And so I was like, there isn't a God kind of situation. Situation. And um, I had some pretty influential people in my life. And so now I'm back on that Christian grind. And um, I am currently involved in FCA leadership, um, the SALT team with K-Life and going to church. I love the Lord and I'm a Methodist. Wow. That's quite a whirlwind for 17 years. <laughs> Classic Abby Richmond. No doubt. My background is somewhat related to yours, I guess. Or not related to yours, but similar to yours, we'll say. My dad was a Lutheran that didn't practice. My mom was a Baptist. And somehow the two of them ended up going to the Methodist church in my hometown and went there all the way up until high school, I guess. And I believed I was a good church boy, like an acolyte, and I was confirmed and baptized and all that good stuff. Aww. Yeah, special, right? And then in high school, I uh, changed churches. I decided what the Methodist church was teaching wasn't exactly what I felt. And I switched churches to the Nazarene church, which I thought had a little better of doctrine. Then I went to college and I lost my religion. So the link there between us, I guess, is we were both Methodists at one point. I didn't know that about you. That I was a Methodist at one point? Yeah. Yep, sure was. Is there some particular facet of the Methodist church that draws you in, or is this solely just a product of how you were raised? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with how I was raised, but also just because I feel like Methodists are more laid back in a lot of their rules, I guess. I think that it's just a very accepting section of Christianity. I would agree with that for the most part. The Methodist church definitely had a larger female presence than a lot of churches as far as the higher end, the leadership will say. Yeah. I I also believe that the Methodists were, I don't know if they're fully on board with gay marriage and gay rights and that type of thing, but I believe they're further on the edge of acceptance compared to some other churches. So I, I can give them credit for that now. As a Methodist, I think that was part of the reason why I left the Methodist church is I was a very close-minded individual, uh, regrettably as a younger person. And hearing a church go down that path for a lot of religious people is super concerning. So while I appreciate that now as a 14-year-old, that was kind of confusing. Using. Yeah. But I agree with you on that that point. Methodists, as far as Christians go, they're okay. <laughs> Thanks. So why are we talking about religion on a millennial podcast? Well, the reason we're talking about this is millennials are fleeing churches in droves. 
Yeah, there's a ton of old people at my church. Like, I would say the majority. And I think that's true for churches all over the place. All the churches I went to were very concentrated on the baby boomers and even the generation before that, like lots of people with walkers and wheelchairs, you know? What is the generation before that called? Before the baby boomers? Yeah. I believe that was the greatest generation, if I recall, is what that was deemed. What? Haven't you heard that? No, that's funny though. That was the generation that fought the wars and brought America to prominence, so they were deemed the greatest generation. All right. I guess that's fair. I think it's deserved. I mean, they're old and crotchety and closed-minded now, but they truly did defeat fascism in the 40s, so I'll give them that. I don't like that word, crotchety. Because it sounds like crotch. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, so yeah, millennials are leaving the church. The Barna Group did a study in 2014 that said, or found out rather, that 35% of millennials are anti-church and 59% of millennials that were raised in the church have dropped out. How does that make you feel? Wow. I can understand that. Sometimes the actual like classic church idea can be a little overwhelming sometimes. And like it gets repetitive. And so I think just going to church may be boring for some people. Not that you shouldn't go, but I think that it definitely gets boring for people. Yeah, that was cited as a part of the reasons why millennials are leaving church. Some of it also had to do with millennials are an incredibly independent generation. And we apparently do not have loyalty to a lot of institutions as in we don't have loyalty to our government and we don't have loyalty to churches and we don't have loyalty to these institutions that have been around forever because we're so darn independent. We like to figure things out on our own and that apparently is driving these numbers of millennials not attending church or not believing in God uh, along with a bunch of other things that Christianity specifically possesses that I would like to bring up later on in the podcast. For the most part, that seems to be driving our generation out of church. Yeah. Some other statistics, uh, this came from the Pew Research Group, and they are a pretty non-biased source. They do a study, it looks like every seven years, on the religious nature of the United States, and I found this interesting. So between 2007 and 2014, the last two times this survey was done, the percentage of U.S. citizens that practiced Christianity as a whole, so we're talking Catholics, we're talking Mormons, we're talking Protestants, Methodists, all that stuff, dropped from 78.4% to 70.6%. Wow. Yeah, so you had an 8% drop there in seven years. And the number, the percentage rather of unaffiliated uh, U.S. citizens, so no religious preference, perhaps atheist, perhaps agnostic, just not affiliated with the church, went from 16% in 2007 all the way up to 22.8%. Wow. That's crazy. So it's not even just our generation. It seems to be that the population of the United States in general is becoming less and less religious as time passes. What do you think that's because of? Honestly, I think it has to do with a lot of things. I, I, I have some ideas and I, I don't know how true they are. Some of it, I think, comes with certain levels of intelligence because religion, it's faith-based. You have to have faith in that. And a lot of people don't operate on faith. Like a lot of people need proof. Yeah. They need some scientific evidence. They need a little more than just like, hey, I'm believing because I'm told to. And I think that advent of what I would call rational thought is growing amongst a certain part of the population. What about historical evidence? What about historical evidence? of religion. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's not a whole lot of it, to be honest. Yeah, you have temples remaining that were written about in the Bible, but as far as proof that Christ existed, anything Old Testament-wise, there's not a lot of evidence for that. 
Okay, I feel you. And if you have things that I'm getting wrong, because I'm not the religious authority, I am a terrible source for current religious information. So if there was like some giant discovery of like, oh, Jesus did exist, and here's proof of it, then feel free to correct me. I am not aware of these things. I, I don't feel there's enough unbiased scientific evidence to support the majority of the Christian theology and belief system. Yeah, there's there's lots of records of, of Jesus existing, but we can get into that later. Okay, some other things to your question as to why the United States is becoming less religious or less associated with religion, I believe goes to things that religion does that turns people off. Some names for you, the Westboro Baptist Church and the Catholic sex scandals and the fight against gay rights and the fight against abortion and the fight against transsexuals and all of these things I do not think puts the church in a good light. So most people who support gay rights and transsexuals and don't want military funerals protested by Westboro Baptists and don't think little kids should be diddled by Catholic priests I think that turns a lot of people off of religion. All of those things make me want to flee religion even more so than I have. It starts to feel like a fundamentally bad thing when I can point to all of this. I know I'm just cherry picking now and a lot of people are going to be like, that's not all of us. And I totally respect that. But that's the press you hear about religion. And most people are like, I want nothing to do with that. That's like saying all white people are racist. Like, not all Christians are homophobes. See, I don't like that. No, and I get it, and that's not what I'm saying at all. I know at least two really good Christians. Yeah. And here's here's my personal problem, and I'll just lay this out here. Christianity and Christians as a whole are the most hypocritical subset of people. And this, again, is coming from a personal light, and I don't mean to demonize anyone that practices religion. I am all about everyone doing what they want. But if you're going to preach something, you've got to back that up. And that's what drives me crazy and is personally why I want nothing to do with the religion. I get that people are hypocritical um, because you see that a lot. But that's just because people struggle sometimes. Like, they can say that they believe that this is what they're supposed to be doing and that this is the right thing. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the easiest and they're going to be able to do it all the time, you know? No, I I totally understand. No human is flawless. Like, if you're going to be, I don't know, extolling the virtues of, I don't know, waiting for marriage or not consuming alcohol or any of the other things that come in in various tenets of Christianity and you preach these things, but then like you're out on Saturday night engaging in these things knowingly at some point, that's not a a whoops, sorry, Jesus, I sin type of thing. That's just you being a terrible hypocrite. Right. I also think that some Christians struggle with the, where do I draw the line of this is said in the Bible, but was it just a cultural thing? I know that it says I shouldn't be eating pork, but that's just because it wasn't safe back then or that kind of thing. So where do they draw the line of that? You feel? No, I I get it. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible, if I recall, that is incredibly outdated. Some, if your wife does this, then kill her type of things, which clearly don't apply. But is that not picking and choosing your belief system from the Bible? You know what I mean? Who decides what parts you can disregard? If this is a holy text handed down by God, who says that you're safe to eat pork? Who decides that? Right. And I struggle. I struggle a lot with that myself because I've asked my small group leaders and my pastors and things like that, that question a lot because like, right, where do I stop or who gets to say this? So I don't know. But, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm raging on religion right now, and that was not the intent of this podcast. Can you give me some stories or anecdotes or some good things that religion has provided you? Definitely a sense of, like, inclusion. Oh, my goodness. 
So I'm planning on going to Truman next year and my small group leader also goes to Truman. And so she has started inviting me to all of the K-Life leader events and things like that that are the college students. Um, so it's really helped me get to know some of those people that I will be hanging out with next year. And it's helped me feel like I have a group that I can fall back on instead of just feeling absolutely lost that all not only are like really cool people themselves, but also are striving to be on the same path that I am and that are going to keep me accountable. So I'm really excited for that and that God has put those people in my life. All right. That is a positive. Having a, a group that you feel inclusive with is a positive thing. Do you feel secure in your faith or are you going to fall into the 59% of millennials that end up ditching their religion during or post-college? I don't think I'll ever ditch my religion. I think I'll struggle with it. But I feel that there's got to be something bigger than me, you know? I personally just don't feel like that I can exist and it not have a purpose and there not be a reason why I was put on this earth. Do you think people that don't believe in God or some higher power don't have a purpose? Mm, I'm not really sure. I mean, not that they don't have, that's not what I'm saying at all, is that they don't have a purpose, but I know through my religion that I do. So I don't know where they find their, their... I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. I don't know where they find their purpose at if they don't have religion. Do you think that like you're just here and you're going to live until you die and then that's it? Yep. That's pretty much what I think. So what do all of your interactions mean? Like why do good things? I do good things to better the world. My whole thing is I don't need a religious text or code or God for me to be a good person. I understand what the world deems as good, so I go do it. And nothing compels me to do it outside of myself. I have a very strong intrinsic control over my actions. Whereas someone may be like, oh shoot, I can't do this because the Bible says so. I never have to worry about that. No, no, no. I get that. But I mean, why? Why do good things for the world? I mean, I, that just brings me to the other question. Why would you do bad things for the world? Are you doing consciously good things or are you just living your life? A little of both. I mean, I feel like I live a good life. I think I would be a wonderful Christian. I just don't feel like I need religion to be that person. Right. Hmm. Being nice to others and like doing things out of the kindness of my heart always makes me feel good as well. And so I guess kind of part of that is a little selfish, but that's another part of Christianity is you have to do things not for like the good of you, but for the good of others, you know? Oh, I get it. And I'm not saying that where I'm coming from is 100% pure. Yeah. Do I do good things to make myself feel better sometimes? Absolutely. And that is selfish. And I'm a selfish human. I have no doubts about it. I can live with that. I don't feel that that is a bad thing. Does that benefit me? It does. Does that benefit humanity? It does as well. And I just don't feel that there is a component of that that requires a higher power or a book or a doctrine. I feel you. Good. <laughs> now, I, I understand what you're saying. To a Christian person, what I'm saying has to sound very empty. What is my purpose? If you don't have a God to live for or to serve, what is everyone else doing out here? The only answer anyone can give is just existing. We're here trying to make the best of it. That just sounds scary to me. I think a lot of it is if I have a God, I have a reason not to be scared because there's tons of scripture and he mentions it a million times to not be afraid. And so I feel like that just gives me reassurance and a helping hand when I get really down. It's kind of like a safety belt, like a seat belt. And not everybody needs that. So I, I get that they don't have to lean on faith or religion in hard times because they're really confident in just their life itself. All right. 
I think that's a nice analogy. Religion can serve as that seatbelt. Because if you start thinking about this too much, picking the option of there not being a god and no religion, that is slightly terrifying. I can see that. Yeah. Because, I mean, what if we're all wrong? I mean, the odds of anyone being right in this whole thing, since there's no proof of any of it, I would say is pretty high. Yeah, because, like, no one really can come back and tell you, hey, this is actually what happens. Correct. We have no evidence of there being an afterlife whatsoever. No one knows. You don't know until it happens. Mm. And that's where faith comes in. And that's how people sleep at night. They have faith that something good is going to happen to them when they die. And that's something I'm definitely not secure about in my faith knowing that, hey, it's okay, because I'm going to be in heaven. I'm constantly thinking about, am I right with the Lord? And when is judgment day? And am I always going to be prepared to like die? Because I could die tomorrow. And I don't know if I'm ready to be at, at the gates. Do I have my life in order? And in my cynical mind, what I'm thinking when I hear you say that is religion's working. Religion has that doubt in your head so that you think twice about your actions and you behave better as a human. Yep. Which is totally cynical and kind of mean. But I mean, that's what it feels like when I hear people say that. It feels like you are being controlled by something. Why can't you just be a good person? Why do you have to worry about the consequence in order to get you to be a good person? Why does Abby Richmond fear death if she were to die tomorrow, whether she's in a good enough place? That seems like not the best way to live life. Why do we have to have laws to make sure that people are good people? That's another discussion entirely. Hmm. I don't think those should exist either, but I fully understand why they exist. Anarchy. Yep. Anarchy. Some other things about religion. How fundamentalist would you class your belief system? Because there are some Christians out there that, not to be rude, but are kind of fruity in their beliefs, thinking that the earth is only 6,000 years old and dinosaurs didn't exist um, and the earth was flooded and all the animals were on an ark. I don't think so. And I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that and like look down upon me because I... I claim to be a Christian and then I, I don't accept some of those things. But I don't know. I think that the the world is however old that science says it is because I accept science and my faith at the same time. Like, I, I don't think there can be science without God. You know what I mean? Because, like, what if God created gravity and what if God created the Big Bang, you know? I also don't believe that everybody is either going to heaven or hell. I believe that whatever anybody thinks is going to happen to them. It's like, you think you're just going to stop existing, so you'll just stop existing. But I think that I'll be judged, and so I will be judged. But like, maybe somebody else is going to get reincarnated. And so I think whatever the person has spent their life believing is going to happen. And so that's definitely not a super Christian thing to say, because believing in something else is a sin. So you have a very liberal interpretation of Christianity, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Which would make sense given who you are. That doesn't surprise me a bit. But honestly, as a non-believer, me hearing you say that makes me respect you a lot more than you responding to that as being like, no, Ethan, the earth is 6,000 years old, you moron. I'm way more receptive to what you're saying as a Christian. Because the Bible doesn't talk about dinosaurs because who was alive to talk about the dinosaurs back then? Nobody. Do you actively expand 
your religion or do you attempt to spread the word as a good Christian should as far as witnessing to people? Like, how does that appear in your life? Um, I try to when I can. I invite people to come to small groups and things like that. And when I am talking to someone who's struggling with something in their life, I oftentimes can look up some scripture that may help or suggest that they bring it to the Lord. But it's kind of hard for me to bring other people to God when they're like not there already or that they haven't ever been there. Like I, it's hard for me to start with someone from scratch um, just because I don't think that I'm secure enough in my faith, which is kind of not a good thing, which is why I need to work on myself a little bit more before I can bring other people. But I don't know. Okay. Do you and your church brethren, do you fear this exodus, if you will, from religion? Like, does that bother you guys? Are you actively out there trying to recruit and expand and share the word? I don't think that anyone is trying to expand Christianity because people are leaving. I think it's just always been a thing that that they're trying to do. Since the birth of Christianity, it's just been about, you know, getting the word out there, spreading the good news. Indeed. But how do you guys handle, like, I know you said you personally believe that whatever you believe in will be your end goal and your end state. But how do you guys square uh, Judaism and Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism when specifically in the Bible, it says there is no way to salvation than through Jesus Christ. And there are billions of people on earth that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their savior. Um, If you ask a fundamentalist, they would tell you they're all going to hell. What do you think happens to those people? I know you said they get whatever they believe in, but I feel like that directly contradicts your Bible. It does indeed. But so do a lot of things that I do. Yeah, I don't know how other people stand on that. And so I don't know where I stand on it because I haven't really thought about it too much um, just because it's it's not my place to judge them. It's God's place to judge them and decide where they get to go. So I don't really need to worry about it because why does it matter? Insightful. So nine out of 10 Christians would say I'm going to burn in hell and you're the one that says I probably wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? I think the church could do a lot better. Like Jesus' thing, not to go on a little rant here about Jesus, but Jesus was like, I love everyone. Let's go talk to the people in the street and let's talk to the lepers and let's cure them and let's be loving and care about each other. And then Christians are like, no, you're going to burn in hell. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Snaps on that. That is why I think that it literally doesn't matter and the church should be accepting of everyone. I don't get why they exclude gay people or transgender people because like you have an affair in your relationship. Everyone's like, it's okay. Just like invite God back into the relationship. You can get through this with the Lord and like come to church and all of that. But you know, if that's a sin and if they think that being gay is a sin, why don't they invite gay people to the church? You know? I do know. And I think the church could have a lot better PR and have a lot more members. I don't think the percentage would go from 78% Christian to 70% Christian over seven years if you were, as a institution, more accepting of people. Like you're very, not you, and I'm saying this as the general church, but you're you're kind of closed off. Unless you are a just a happy-go-lucky, straight male or female, you're pretty much not invited to that party. Yeah. Oh, man. That is rough. If the Lord says, love everybody, love your neighbors, then we need to stop being so concerned about everyone else and everyone else's choices, because as long as it depends on you, like, just be kind. (sighs) So all those things I just described about 
the church being as anti-Jesus-like as possible also feed into the reasons why I left the church. However, I have a good friend who speaks a lot like you do about religion, and my question to him was, why are you still involved in this institution that you fundamentally disagree with? And his viewpoint was, I am in this to fix it. I understand that it is wrong, and my job is to stay here and influence it for the better. Is that where you would clash yourself? Like, is that what you're doing? Mm, I don't think that I see myself as such an influential person that I could say that. I understand. Props to you, Abby. I hope nothing I said during this podcast is making you question your religion, even though I do think uh, religious tests are healthy for the rational mind. Uh, But you do you. If you want to be a strong Christian, that's great. I support that 100%. Thanks. Did you feel like a lot of this sounded like corny, a lot of what I was saying? It's your typical textbook liberal Christian answers, but honestly, I don't know how else you could answer those. Like, I appreciate hearing it. Because I sometimes have a problem with that, listening to like Christians that just repeat catchphrases, you know? I, I definitely know. Usually people that quote the Bible are pretty corny. I mean, how often did you say that you were going against things in the Bible and like everyone does that? And then if you're going to pull scripture out and try to read it to me, that's no no good at all. But that comes with the territory. If you're defending a religion, that's been going on forever, thousands of years, defense of the religion. So there's only so many ways you can skin that cat, if you will. Like here, let me not accept what this part of the scripture says, but let me read you two verses later out of context. Absolutely. Yeah. And some other criticisms, those books weren't written anywhere remotely around the time of Christ. They were written way after. To me, as a former Christian, that always bugged the crap out of me. That they weren't being written while Jesus was here? Yeah, they were hundreds of years later. And we're supposed to take these as fact that they were handed down by God. And the canon of the Bible, the 66 books that they decided to put in it, that was completely random. There were a lot of other biblical texts that didn't make the Bible with a capital B. A man picked that. God didn't hand those down. True. These are This is some insightful stuff. Indeed. I feel like we could have a part two on this. One where you attack me. Like it's, we have a podcast <laughs> about being agnostic or atheist or a non-believer. And you just roast me for 30 minutes. I think that would be a nice follow-up to this. (laughs) Boom, roasted. All right, my young friend. It is time for the song pick of the week. What you got? Okay, I have a song called Night Bus by Gabrielle Applin. Interesting. She kind of sounds like Selena Gomez, kind of. I think you'll like it. Awesome. My song pick of the week is a throwback, and it was actually prompted by us going through 5,000 mixed CDs today. Uh, (laughs) My track is the Swiss Army Romance by Dashboard Confessional, throwing it way back. That is a jam. Yes. (laughs) All right, folks, thanks for checking out this episode of Two Millennials, One Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Please tune in next week for another thrilling episode. Five stars or go home. Have a great week, folks. We will see you later. Peace out.